Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Bitcoin Blueprint podcast with your host, Stefan. Thanks again so much for taking the time to listen this week as we take another step further into the Bitcoin rabbit hole to discuss the main fundamental concepts in Bitcoin and explain them to you in a way that is hopefully easy to understand and digest. Now, if you're joining us today and you've listened to the previous episodes, we've covered a host of different topics so far, going from the beginning, so what Bitcoin is, to how Bitcoin wallets work, how Bitcoin mining works, and more. And today, what we'll be talking about is how to buy Bitcoin. Now, while that may seem like a pretty easy topic, which in a lot of parts it is, there are some nuances that I want to discuss with you and also just explain the different avenues that you can purchase Bitcoin through. So if this is your first time, you are aware of all the options available to you. And with that being said, let's get started on today's episode. So in today's episode, we're going to go over three main options to buy Bitcoin, starting with the most common route, which is through an exchange, then looking at peer-to-peer platforms where you can buy Bitcoin, and then looking at Bitcoin ATMs. But to start with, I wanted to go over some general considerations that you need to take before buying Bitcoin from your chosen source. And these few things are, of course, beware of who you're buying Bitcoin from and their overall reputation. You have to consider what the cost is from you know, buying from this medium. And then you have to look at what security measures that system has in place. Are they regulatory or compliant institutions that also have to provide identifying information from you? And arguably the most important is, are you able to move that Bitcoin from the area where you are buying it to your own wallet? So broad scopes, those are some of the main considerations that you need to think of before buying from any Bitcoin source. Now let's talk about the first area or option where you can buy Bitcoin, and that is through an exchange. So Bitcoin exchange is the most popularly used way to buy Bitcoin because they are institutions, exchanges are institutions that are set up to be able to allow you to buy Bitcoin using traditional fiat currencies, such as a US dollar or a euro, and are oftentimes also directly synced with your bank or have a connection with your bank where that payment can be processed rather quickly. And it's also one of the most common ways to buy Bitcoin because it's one of the most accessible ways to buy Bitcoin. Because exchanges are online institutions, and while some may have local branches, most exchanges are online institutions and don't require you to go anywhere physically. So that makes it a super easy to use and accessible option for anybody anywhere across the world. Now, the big thing, one of the big things to note about exchanges is that 
they do have to be regulatory compliant in your local region. So whether that's the USA, whether that's somewhere in Europe, in order for these exchanges to be legal, they have to be registered in their local geography and have to be compliant to certain rules and regulations within that jurisdiction. So that's the first point that I want you to be aware of. So exchanges are great because they're very easy, they're accessible, and they're integrated well into you know traditional bank systems, but they have to be registered and locally compliant to a jurisdiction. And that may seem obvious, but the reason why I put an emphasis on but there is because when you are registered and locally compliant, you are also required in most cases to go through a KYC AML type of process, which means know your customer anti-money laundering. And what this means is that exchanges have to request for personal identifying information. So if you've ever opened up an exchange account, what you may be used to is you may be used to having to upload your passport or other form of ID, and then also sometimes having to take a selfie, sometimes having to put um, more identifying information, such as your address. Some even ask for different types of income sources and things like that. And so it's normal because that's the the state of the world. You know, you have to be regulatory compliant in order to offer these types of products to your customers. But one thing that people don't oftentimes consider at much as much with these exchanges is just that when you are putting your information into these systems, it's always a risk that that exchange or whatever houses the data for that exchange gets hacked. And then a lot of your personal identifying information goes along with it. And I know that we're used to that in today's digital world. But a reason why I put an emphasis on that with regards to exchanges is because it's directly tied to an investment you are making. So for example, if a hacker is able to get a hold of not only your personal identifying information, but also the amount of Bitcoin that you have bought, especially if that's a large amount, that could put you in a precarious situation. And we've had countless examples of times when exchanges have been hacked and have leaked personal information and have you know, um, put their users in danger of being hacked or worse, you know, being threatened with other means such as robbery or, or things like that. That's all to say it's a rare, rare, rare case, rare exception, um, but it's just something to take into consideration. If you are going to apply for an exchange account, my recommendation is to do so only on one and don't open multiple exchange accounts. But that's one consideration that you have to take into place. Another thing that I want to note about exchanges is that most exchanges also have built-in wallets. So what happens if you buy on, let's for example, saying Coinbase, when you buy Bitcoin through Coinbase, what happens is that Bitcoin gets put automatically into your Coinbase wallet. And the issue there is that a lot of people sometimes leave that Bitcoin on 
the exchange. And I've, as we've discussed in previous episodes, I really do not recommend that you do that. I do recommend that you take custody of the Bitcoin yourself so that you can be in control and ownership of it. And that's just another thing to take note of. If you're buying through an exchange, ideally you want to transfer that Bitcoin to your own controlled wallet as soon as possible. So those are really the main things that I wanted to note for exchanges. As I mentioned, they're really accessible and easy to use in a lot of cases. So I do think they are a good option. Just be mindful of the amount of exchanges you, you use. I would really recommend just being limited to one because you are providing, you know, identifying information and you don't want to, you know, register for six different exchanges, which then, you know, increases the odds of, you know, be, you being hacked or something happening to, um, you know, considerably higher risk. But again, it's in fairly rare cases that this does happen, but something to note. And then another thing is move your Bitcoin from the exchange to your own controlled wallet. Now, moving on to the next option is peer-to-peer platforms. And one thing that's common within the Bitcoin space is that Bitcoin, it, it has its roots in this cypherpunk, you know, movement where anonymity is a big aspect as well. And not anonymity in the fact that you're trying to hide something, but anonymity in the fact that some things you would like to remain private. For example, the amounts of Bitcoin that you buy. This is something that, you know, can be, if it's leaked, it can be, you know, used against you or um, in a way that you do not want it to be used. And so a lot of people choose for a more anonymous route, one of them being a peer-to-peer platform. And essentially what a peer-to-peer platform is, is it's an online platform that connects the buyers and sellers directly and allows you to trade Bitcoin without the involvement of a centralized exchange. So how it works typically is you create an account for this platform. And then once you have made the account, you can browse through the different platform listings or advertisements, which is typically created by users who want to sell their Bitcoin. And these listings include details such as the amount of Bitcoin available, the desired price, accepted payment methods, and any other specific terms and conditions. And then what the P2P platform does is it often provides filtering options to help you, you know, find suitable sellers based on your preferences, such as payment method or locations. It's also typically an open marketplace, so you can review the seller's profile, their ratings, their trade histories, etc., to kind of review their reliability and get you comfortable to make sure you're buying from someone you trust. After that, after you found a suitable listing, which works for you, you can begin a negotiation. And P2P platforms usually provide a messaging system or a chat interface to facilitate this communication between buyers and sellers. And then you can discuss the transaction details, you can ask more questions, you can negotiate terms with the seller directly, but the P2P marketplace typically provides you with the ability to communicate with the seller. Now, say everything's agreed upon and you want to go go ahead and do the transaction. 
to enhance security and prevent fraud, what many of the P2P platforms do is they employ an escrow service, which means that when you initiate a trade, the platform holds the seller's Bitcoin in escrow until the Bitcoin payment is confirmed. And then this helps protect both the buyer and the seller during the transaction process. And once the payment is then confirmed and it has been verified, the seller will release the Bitcoin from ESCO and it will be transferred to your wallet. Typically, there's you know different payment methods depending on the type of listing that you choose. Sometimes it could be bank transfers. I've heard of Amazon gift cards. I've heard of other ways to make the payments, but that's, again, because it's an open marketplace, it's open to the buyer and the seller on how they want to do that. And so essentially what it does is it creates through these peer-to-peer platforms, you create this open marketplace where you can connect people who want to anonymously sell their Bitcoin with people who want to anonymously buy their Bitcoin. And so that's why it's an option if you are seeking more of that anonymity. It is a plus point there. You also don't have to rely on a centralized party meaning that while the p2p platform does facilitate the trade it's at the end of the day the buyer and the seller who do the transaction and then what's also a plus point with most of the peer-to-peer exchanges is that it allows you to take custody of the bitcoin yourself so when you're buying the bitcoin it will actually ask you directly what wallet address that you want that bitcoin to be sent to after the payment is confirmed and ideally you would want that to be your own controlled wallet address a few a few of the negatives with the peer-to-peer platforms is that it's the fees tend to be a bit higher so typically on exchanges fees tend to be pretty favorable and which makes it also, you know, why exchanges are a more popular option. But with the peer-to-peer platform, fees tend to be a bit higher. You're essentially paying a premium for the anonymity, if you will. Um, But that's something to take into consideration if you are looking to use a peer-to-peer platform. Now, the third one on this list is Bitcoin ATMs. And this is actually one of my favorite ways to buy Bitcoin, if not my favorite way to buy Bitcoin. And Bitcoin ATMs are kind of, well, <laughs> how it's how it's phrased, an ATM. And it works in a lot of ways like a traditional ATM. And how it works is you walk up to an ATM and there's different ways and they'd have different interfaces, but a typical experience will go like this. You walk up to the ATM, the ATM will ask you to put in a amount of money. And I would highly recommend if you are using an ATM, do use cash. Some may allow you to use a credit or a debit card, but If you're already using an ATM, I do recommend you using cash just for the added anonymity benefits. But you put the cash into the ATM and then it'll say, okay, for example, you have have put $50 into the ATM. Where do you want that Bitcoin now sent to? Or this equates to this much Bitcoin. Where do you want that Bitcoin sent to? And then you can include your own 
Bitcoin address. Again, have this be to a wallet address that you control. And then the ATM will ask you or tell you about the transaction fees. You can typically increase or decrease them depending on how quickly you want to be able to receive the Bitcoin. And then you click send and typically gets a receipt with a confirmation of the amount of Bitcoin that you have bought, the address that you have sent it to, and the transaction fees. Now with Bitcoin ATMs, they are very great if for if you have two of these requirements. So one, of course, a Bitcoin ATM has to be located close to you. And if you're not in a bigger city or somewhere where Bitcoin is popular, then it might be very difficult to find an ATM. So it's important to do your own research and look. There are some websites that have all of the big Bitcoin ATMs around the world located. So you can check based off of your area if there are any close to you. But for myself, I live in a pretty big metropolitan city and there's actually quite a few ATMs in this area. So for me, it's actually a very convenient way to buy Bitcoin because it's fairly close and accessible. Another thing that's important to note is going back to the topic earlier about KYC and exchanges. If you do use a Bitcoin ATM, the primary benefit there is again, anonymity and also ease if there's one close to you but the anonymity aspect is the most important part and if an exchange is going to ask you to put in a id or ask you to take a selfie or even put in a phone number i would not recommend using the bitcoin atm because in that case if you do have an exchange account it's better to just do that because the primary benefit of an ATM is anonymity and it depends also on the ATM and again the jurisdiction where you will buy you know Bitcoin and it depends on if that ATM will then require you also to put in self-identifying information. So if you have one close to you and if it doesn't require KYC then it's a really really great option. Um, another thing that I do want to note about Bitcoin ATMs, however, is that for larger amounts, it's not always an ideal way to buy Bitcoin. So if you're going to buy, let's say, for example, you want to buy $20,000 worth of Bitcoin, I really don't recommend buying that through an ATM because you don't want to you know, necessarily risk that. I think a Bitcoin ATM is great for what we call dollar cost averaging and buying in smaller amounts over a longer period of time. You know, you can go, what I do, for example, is I use a Bitcoin ATM close to myself and, you know, once in a while go there and buy Bitcoin and just do that progressively over time, but never in large amounts. That's why you also spread well, your overall cost basis, but also, you know, you're not buying in bulk and um, remove a bit of the risk there. And so that's why if you do want to buy in bulk, I think exchanges right now are still the best way to do that. But for smaller amounts, if you're getting started in Bitcoin or maybe already have a larger stack and want to just continue to dollar cost average, then a Bitcoin ATM is a very, very good option. Another thing that I do want to note about Bitcoin ATMs though is that the fees tend to also be again higher than an exchange. 
And again, take this as a premium that you're paying for the extra added anonymity benefits. So it's just something to keep in mind and consideration. Now, those are the three main ways that an individual, I think it's a bit different, you know, if you're going up to maybe corporate level or even nation state level, sovereign level, that's a whole different conversation. But let's just say for you and me, for the average person, these are the three main ways to buy Bitcoin. I do want to also add that another great way to acquire Bitcoin is actually to earn Bitcoin. And I think we're seeing that more and more coming up. But I know people who actually earn Bitcoin. And so they ask, you know, some companies, especially in the Bitcoin or the crypto space, can pay their people in Bitcoin. But even if you're, you know, maybe let's say you're self-employed or you're doing work in the Bitcoin space, then you can typically ask for Bitcoin as payment. And that's also a great way to acquire Bitcoin because you don't have to worry about buying it. You don't have to worry about transaction fees, all that stuff. And it's a great way to also create more of a circular Bitcoin economy. So I did want to add that note in there as well. But for the most part, buying Bitcoin, you can do through an exchange, through a peer-to-peer -peer platform, or through a Bitcoin ATM. And the, for specifically for the Bitcoin exchanges and the peer-to-peer -peer platforms, it really depends where you are and, you know, in what region or jurisdiction you are that will tell you, you know, which exchanges or peer-to-peer -peer platforms are available in your area. But nowadays, it's very easy to look that up and look what's in your local jurisdiction. And so that being said, I know this may have seemed like a fairly basic episode and something that's a bit less technical or more high level compared to some of the other episodes that we've discussed, but it's not something people oftentimes take into consideration when they're starting their Bitcoin journey as to how they want to acquire Bitcoin and the different benefits, pros and cons associated with each avenue. So I hope that through this episode, I've been able to shine a bit more light on the different avenues that are available, some of the pros and cons of each, and I've hoped to inform you more overall on your Bitcoin journey. So that being said, thank you so much for taking the time to listen and until next time.